And we're back with Mystical Mountains. What I thought we would talk about on this podcast is char cloth, char material, bird's nest, uh, possum mentalities, tenders, everything like that that you need to start a fire. Char cloth is basically taking something that is an, an organic cloth such as cotton and putting it in a sealed metal container with a hole in it and putting it in the fire for it to char. You're not allowing oxygen to get to it, so therefore it's carbonizing. Uh, When you're done, it'll be um, real brittle, kind of hard almost, but we'll get into that right now and exactly how to make it. Basically, you can char any organic material, whether plant, fibers, um, cotton, wood, anything that's organic can be charred. And the reason you do want to char is because a charred material will take a low heat spark, say off of a flint and steel, and you can put that into a tent or into a bird's nest and blow it into flame. Now the way you make char cloth or any charred material, number one way to do it is take an Altoids tin. You can use two soup cans if one's bigger than the other and just put them to where one is actually inside facing down and the other one, but it's the same principle. And put a small hole in the uh, Altoids tin. Take some cotton material or whatever it is you want to char, put it into it, make sure it'll close. Put that in the fire. After a little bit, it's going to start smoking. You're going to start seeing steam coming out. It looks like steam. What it is is gaseous material. And one, that, that gas is highly flammable, so you want to put it out. You, if it burns, it's going to get down into your char cloth and burn your char cloth, and that's what we don't want. So what I do when I'm making it is I'll take a stick or something, I'll tap it, you know, the, the top of the tin tightly, and it'll put it out. Once you see that gas gone, it'll stop making gas once it's charred. Pull it out of the fire and let it cool down, because if you open it directly, it's still hot enough to combust and all your energy is just wasted. So pull it out of the fire, let it cool down completely. And that is your charred material. Now the way you would use that, this is all next fire mentality. The way you would use that is to take a little bit off. You know, if you have some flint and steel or flint in your knife, as long as it's high carbon knife, whatever. Take and you can Put a spark onto that and put that, like I said, into a bird's nest. And then that's your next fire, okay? That way you don't have to go through the bow drill again or whatever. Now for bird's nest material, and and what I have heard and and referred to as possum mentality, basically your bird's nest should be basically a bird's nest. You want your thicker, heavier stuff on the outside and work your way in progressively finer until you get to the exact center, which has been processed to the point that it's so fine it's almost dust. The way you can accomplish that is, say you're using um, dry, dead grass. Well, if you work it with your hands, how you get that powder, what you're doing is you're opening it up and exposing it more surface area, more, you know, it's drier, you you know, and it's easier to catch on fire. So you would take your char cloth, 
pin it with the knife blade. In other words, like put it on like a piece of wood, hold it down with your point, uh, your knife blade, your knife point, strike a flint off your knife onto the char cloth. You'll notice it burning. Pick it up, put it inside the, the bird nest that you've made, caress it. When I say caress it, I mean fold it over itself but not smother it and gently blow it into flame. Okay? We'll, so, and the reason it's called possum mentality is because you never know when you're going to come across some awesome bird's nest material. So what you do is you pick it up and carry it with you and you keep it dry. Your bird's nest has to be dry. Okay? It can't be damp. It can't be wet. That's why old man's beard is hit or miss. It can actually absorb some of the moisture from the environment. Even if it's just like humidity in the air. But then again, it could also be the best. You just have to go find it. And one way to test if something is dry or not is one, is it dead standing? If it snaps when you break it. If you take and stick it to your, your cheek. If it feels cold, then it's wet. If it feels wet, then it's wet. That's how you can tell. If you know what the wood is, or know what the plant is, you can stick it to your lip. Your lip is one of the most sensitive parts of your body. Okay? I don't recommend that if you do not know 100% what, what plants you have or what you know, tree you have. So stick to the, to the side of the cheek. Okay? Now, let's define tender kindling and, you know, up on up. A tender is a feather stick. It's small. Okay? It's something that if you can take a match flame and stick to it and count one, two, three, four, five, it better be burning. If it's not, then it's not tender. You also have true tender fungus. You have false tender fungus, which both can be charred in the way that I explained earlier. But the best thing about true tender fungus and false tender fungus is it doesn't have to be charred. Okay? It does need to be dry, but it doesn't have to be charred. Now, kindling would be something along the lines of thumb thick, middle finger thick. So your tender, basically your spark will light to tender, the tender will light to kindling, kindling, and then use the kindling to ignite the wood. Okay, so we're on the same page. Just look at it like that. Anything that will not start with open flame held to it going one, two, three, four, five is not kindling. That's ten or, or not tender, that's kindling. Okay. Now we'll get into um, some people use them. I do. I actually prefer to use them. It's basically back walls for your fire. What that is is you have a vertical wall behind your fire that will reflect the heat back toward the front. It's just more efficient in my opinion. If I'm going to light a fire to keep warm, I don't want the heat to expand you know, in a cube 360 directions. I want it to face me and I want to get the residual heat that I'm supposedly losing from it going out the back. 
So I prefer a back wall. If you're going to use that and you, and you only have wood to use, then green wood can work. You want it to be about wrist thick, about four feet high, and about as long as your shelter is. So if your shelter is eight feet wide, then your wall should be eight feet wide also. You want that to be about one and a half steps away from your shelter because you want your shelter to be one step away from the fire and you don't want the wall to burn but you want it close enough that it'll still reach you. Remember when it comes to fire there's a uh, the inverse cube law one over distance from the fire which that basically what that means is one over one over distance from the cube. Your optimum heat for a human body would be one pace away every centimeter millimeter every inch you are away from that you are losing heat that directly proportional to where you used to be it's one over distance from the cube okay now there are different types of fire you can have a heating fire a dry fire a cooking fire a dry fire will burn food but a cooking fire won't necessarily heat you. So know which fire you're going to use. Plan it out accordingly. For example, if I'm going to cook, I want something that's I want to use wood that's going to make a hot coal. It doesn't have to burn the fastest as long as it can turn into a good coal and I can cook with it. If I'm just going to boil water and move on, I want something I want a wood that's going to burn fast and hot because I'm just going to boil water if I want a drying fire I want a fire that's going to stay consistent and last a long time same way with a heating fire so different woods have you know lend themselves to be better for different purposes as in for example if I'm going to boil water then I would use a softwood if I was going to make a drying fire or warming fire or cooking fire, I would use a hardwood. Okay? But, see that just goes again. With pine, you don't want to cook with it. Any type of evergreen you really don't want to cook with. Um, that all goes into what did you bring with you for you to... Um, you know, boil your water into you to cook your food in if it's an emergency, if it's not an emergency. Now let's look at how you start that. Matches. A lot of people carry matches. One of the things the instructors that I had to go through had to do is light a fire with a split paper match. That's basically just doesn't necessarily show your ability to light a fire with a split paper match, but your progression in how well you acquired and prepped your fire um, matches are one shot too they get wet you know it's hard to find strike anywhere matches so you have to have that little tab with them then you come into what I think is the most unfallible and durable way to light a fire and it brought us into the quote unquote space age would be ferro rods a ferro rod throws a spark at about 5000 degrees um, Sometimes the older people call them zircs because they had zirconium in it. Uh, now it's manganese, magnesium, zirconium, and a bunch of other stuff. It's just ferro rods. Now, 
You can buy a ferret rod that's between $5 to $100. And it's basically, besides size, it's basically the same rod. Okay? If you have trouble throwing sparks off your, your rod, it's not the rod. It's your technique or your knife. So, ferret rods, like I said, there's different ways to knot them. A lot of people buy those ma magnesium blocks with the... Um, ferret rod on the side, it's glued on the side. It's been my experience that you use up the ferret rod way before you use up all that magnesium. So, yeah, something to consider. For about $10, you can go on Amazon and get a 6-inch by, by a half-inch ferret rod. It's got something like 50,000 strikes on it. You know, that's something else to consider. You know, you also have lighters. You know, you have the big lighter. Well, big lighters gets cold, they evaporate, the button gets pushed down. You know, all these things, they get wet. You have to take this into consideration. So you want to have multiple ways of starting fire with you at all times. Um, a Zippo lighter. The Zippos are great, and this is why. You can actually take the lighter part out of the Zippo and have the case and put some... Like, piece of cotton material down into it and use that to make a as a char tin to make char cloth with um, one thing to consider with zippos is you also have that cotton material that's on the inside and uh, it's usually soaked with you know lighter fluid now you can make a dead lighter work and what you would do with that is you take your knife and you prop that stupid child block thing that's on the, the wheel. Take your knife blade, scrape off some of the um, stuff on your pants that's like dryer lint almost. Roll it up into a wick and you can actually light it with that um, in case you had to, you know, if that's what you have. So, personally, give me three or four ferro rods. A Zippo and a couple of big lighters, you know, you're good to go at that point. So, like I said, just know that. Oh, there's also another thing we need to talk about ferro rods. You can strike them with broken glass, you can strike them with a rock that's harder than seven on the most hardness scale, you can strike them with the back of your knife. Anything that's hard and has a has an edge, you know, has a has a ninety degree edge to it. Uh, like I said, you can't strike them with broken beer bottle glasses. That's just man-made obsidian. That's the way to look at that. So that's just more. You also have what's called a fire piston, which is a it's like a um, tube that's got an end and it goes into another tube that makes that real suck, you know, real tight uh, suction to it. Like you can you can't barely push it down. And you put a piece of, you know, tinder in that, slam it down, and the heat builds up and lots of tinder. I've never had great luck with them. It's always been hit or miss. Uh, maybe it's my technique. Maybe I'm not hitting it hard enough. I mean, I'm definitely going to go into that aspect. But in my opinion, a ferro rod, some big lighters, and a Zippo with, you know, fluid in it, you're good to go. So let's talk about... Going back to tinder, let's talk about 
fatwood. Fatwood is comes from a pine tree. And it's usually found at the base or at the juncture of a limb. It's resin saturated saturated wood. Okay, you can actually smell the turpentine. It'll actually be like a dark red color. That is amazing stuff. You can light fires with it. You can't. I mean, it's just it takes a spark and a flame extremely well. It, it's even kind of gummy. Like when you go to feather it, it's going to be real gummy almost. It's not going to really want to feather real well because that's all that resonated. And you will smell the turpentine in fatwood. That's just kind of how it is. So then you also have solar ignition, which is with a magnifying glass. Uh, it has to be five times more or five times power a Fresno lens, magnifying glass, binocular lens, even uncoated glasses, you know, that stay clear will do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, this episode's running kind of long, so I'm going to cut off off here and I will make the next episode a continuation of this. So if you have any comments, questions, or just say hello, message me, I'll get it. You have a good day now.